You're listening to the Pharmacy Podcast Network. Hello and welcome again to a, yeah, another edition of Game Changers Clinical Conversations. I am your host, Jeff Wall, Professor of Pharmacy Practice at Drake University, and uh, uh, joined, as I am often, by my uh, partner in crime and, and, and the guy who actually runs this uh, podcast much more than I do, Jake uh, Galdo from uh, CEI. Um, and today we are going to do a, a update on uh, the COVID vaccines. Um, I don't think there's probably anybody who's listening to this podcast who hasn't gotten a question about the COVID vaccine who hasn't maybe even gotten the COVID vaccine. And so we thought it was a, a really good time to, to, to go over both of the studies, the, both the Pfizer vaccine, and, and we are going to refer to them, even though it's probably not completely uh, kosher. Uh, the Pfizer vaccine is the Pfizer vaccine, and the Moderna vaccine is the Moderna vaccine, um, because it's just going to be much easier. I think it's going to be much clearer for everybody. But we're going to go through both those uh, those uh, vaccine studies and talk about them. Uh, they had many similarities, but there were some differences that I think it's important to point out. Uh, we're also going to uh, uh, and this is where Jake's going to going to give us his expertise. Is you know what's been the initial experience with community pharmacists? Um, I, I think uh, everybody knows that if this is going to successfully get rolled out, it's going to be square on the backs of, of community pharmacy to 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 lead the charge in getting this vaccine widely distributed. So uh, uh, the early experiences on that, and then again, I suspect many of you out there have gotten a million questions about about COVID and special populations, and of course the standard pat answer is yeah, we don't know. Um, but uh, but that doesn't change the fact that we need to make a recommendation. And so I think we can give that best. But before we get started on that, thank you for uh, for listening. Uh, please head over to wherever you listen to podcasts, hit your hit a like button, uh, spread the word about us. And uh, most importantly, head over to our producer, CE Impact, uh, sign up for the uh, uh, CE package that includes uh, Game Changers and you get CE just for listening to me yap, yap along and, and, and answering a couple quick questions on their website. There cannot be an easier way to, 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 uh, to get CE. CE, in my opinion, and uh, uh, also take a look at the other great um, um, programs that, that CE Impact has. Yeah, for example, uh, the uh, uh, CE Impact Expo is coming up here uh, very shortly. Uh, a wide, wide range of really good CE, um, including uh, myself doing a, a kind of game changers on where we are today on therapeutics with COVID. But there's, you know, it isn't just a COVID fest. We've got all sorts of stuff going on there, and it's excellent uh, 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 continuing education. And I highly advise you to go over there and check it out and now that it's going to be virtual pretty easy to listen to so all right so with that said let's let's get on and talk about about the two va- uh, two vaccine studies um, so first we're going to talk about the Pfizer vaccine because that seemed to be the one that 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 that, uh, that hit hit the hit the door first um, so you know a lot I think of a, a good way you can certainly read the the study and I certainly encourage people uh, to you know who are involved with the, the vaccine to read the study but if you like I don't really have time to really do a deep dive into the study uh, the CDC's got you covered if you go over to the ACIP website, uh, which we can certainly link in the, in the show notes. Um, uh, they actually do a very nice overview of, of, of the study um, and, 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 and talk about that. So uh, the study, of course, uh, you know, there, there's been some question about, you know, gee, we're rushing the study out and rushing this vaccine out. And I think it's important to, to keep in mind that, that, that the, this study and the Moderna study were two of the largest studies ever done with vaccines ever for anything, you know. And so these were very rigorous randomized control trials. There was, there was no sleight of hand 
ad here. There was no, you know, no funny business going on. Um, I think the, I think these were, 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 were very, you know, you know, very robust. They had, you know, tens of thousands of patients in them, um, and, and, and things along those lines. So I, I think, you know, but before we even get started, I do think it's important to kind of realize that. So, uh, so the, the, the study, you know, took a look of course at, at, uh, uh giving patients, um, um, uh, the, the Pfizer vaccine, uh, in this study, they define, they give it to all adults in this study. They defined adults as age 16 and up. That is a difference between the Moderna vaccine and the Pfizer vaccine. Uh, they did exclude patients who already had a history of COVID and another big, a key difference uh, between the, 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 uh, Moderna study and, and the Pfizer studies, they did exclude uh, people in this study who had an immunosuppressive therapy or condition. And they really didn't go into a lot of detail of that in the study. I think that was probably, uh, uh, up to the, the investigators talking about it. So, um, they did define, um, as, uh, COVID in these patients, uh, down after they gotten vaccines, patients who had symptoms plus a positive respiratory specimen for, for SARS-CoV-2, probably the PCR uh, test, if I remember right. So, so, uh, uh, COVID was defined as having both symptoms and that. So it's important to keep in mind that this was not looking at asymptomatic development of, of, of COVID. So that's something that, 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 that's important to realize. Um, the study itself, uh, the, the, the vaccine is, is 0.3 mils of the vaccine given 21 days apart. And I, and I suspect many of these of you who are listening here have either gotten their vaccine or getting the vaccine are well aware of that. Um, we know, of course, that, that, that mRNA vaccines need to, need, need to be in, in, at least the Pfizer vaccine needs to be in an ultra-cold storage, which, of course, has is, is led to a lot of, of, of storage issues and transportation issues and stuff like that. Um, and, and so that, that's something that they do, they do talk about in the study. So then getting to the results, uh, they did actually find that uh, a lower risk of symptomatic COVID-19 uh, was observed with the vaccination compared to the placebo. And that it actually uh, corresponded to an efficacy of, of 95%, which again uh, is, is almost unheard of in the modern vaccine era. Um, you know, we always, you always hear anti-vaxxers yap on about how, you know, well, you know, the flu vaccine's only, you know, you know 20% effective this year, and, you know, again, keep Keeping in mind that that with with the influenza vaccine, it's 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 less about getting the flu and more about the more the morbidity associated with the flu. In this case, you couldn't even say that 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 when you took a look at, at numbers of of patients who got it, it was pretty impressive. Only eight patients uh, with the vaccine or uh, uh, contracted COVID based on their definition compared to 162 in the placebo arm. And again, uh, th there's a standardized calculation that the FDA requires to look at 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 uh, um, um, vaccine. Seen um, efficacy and that and that reached ninety five percent. This was observed at a median follow up of two months. Now you know that is one of the questions is they wanted to hurry up and get this in interim data out. And so the the sixty four dollar question is how long will this last? How long will the will the will the protection or the the high level of, of, of efficacy last? We don't know, of course, at this point. Um, there has been a, a study that that came out that that that's taken a look at at uh, a T cell and and other types types of, of uh, protections against uh, COVID-19 and have found that, that, you know, at, it, 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 at a minimum, at least five months is, is, is where protection would last. Um, and so I think we have that data to date now, but there's, uh, I think some, some emerging data suggesting that, that T cell uh, development of, of antibodies is likely to last for years. So, you know, hopefully this will, this will be, you know, the only thing we'll need to do, but again, nobody knows at this point in time. Um, and, and again, there, the, the, the trial is ongoing. 
mean, that's the other thing about, about both these studies is these aren't the final reports. The, they are, they're continuing to look at this cohort of patients and seeing what's going on. The FDA, however, felt that given the incredibly high efficacy rate, they felt like, like uh, you know, even if, if, if uh, uh, antibody levels were to wane, it would still meet their minimum uh, uh, requirement for e efficacy uh, for the emergency use or authorization. So you kind of got that there. I think as or more important than that, that information is the fact that that uh, the vaccine was associated with a significantly lower risk of a hospitalization. And again, in the end, if 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 the vaccine does nothing else except for dramatically lower vaccines and death. I mean, we you may get COVID just like the flu. You may get the flu when you get the flu vaccine, but you're much, much less likely to get hospitalized or die from it. If that's what ends up happening with, with uh, uh, the COVID-19 vaccines is that, yeah, you might get a cold or might be sick for a couple of days, but you don't get seriously ill. I think everyone would agree that's going to be a win as well. In this study, uh, uh, there, there was actually a, uh, a, a very, very low risk of, of hospitalization. In fact, the the uh, um, they, the 95% relative risk ratio was zero <laughs> to one. So basically, it corresponded to a vaccine efficacy to, per, to prevent hospitalization of 100%. Now, again, the numbers are really low, so kind of, I take that with a grain of salt. Uh, and then uh, uh, lower risk of all-cause death due to COVID was, was, was there as well. But the, the confidence interval were pretty wide again because the, the numbers were, were, were pretty small. There were harms associated, and, and it, it's, it's worth noting that another big difference between the Moderna study and the Pfizer study is in the Pfizer study, they, they compared against placebo. And so, as you might imagine, they would you would expect to see more side effects in, in, in the Pfizer arm, and that's exactly what they found. Interestingly, when they when they took a look at all adverse events across both vaccine and placebo arms, there wasn't actually a statistically significant difference between the two. But then when you took a look at, at more severe reactions, what they, they actually graded reactions uh, on a scale of, of one to four uh, scales of greater than three uh, was actually more common in the vaccine arm. Um, and about 9% of vaccine recipients had had what was considered to be a, a grade three or more severe reaction. But again, none of this was life-threatening or very few of them were life-threatening. In fact, to date, if I remember right, I was reading on the CDC website or the FDA website that, that only about three serious cases of life-threatening reactions to COVID have been reported. Yeah, you might feel, you know, not too swell for a couple of days and, you know, fever, myalgias, chills, stomach pain, I've heard uh, from some people, uh, or local reactions are, are definitely more common. Um, that's probably part and parcel of the fact of, 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 of the mRNA you know, design of the, of, of the vaccine, but also because they did not have time to, to, to you know, uh, kind of uh, adjust the, the, uh, the um, adjuvants or, or anything else in the, in the vaccine that would be make it you know, a little more tolerable to patients. We just needed to get it in patients' arms as quickly as we possibly could. So, um, I already had my first Moderna shot, and um, um, I was pretty lucky. I had a sore arm for a couple of days, but that was really it. Um, and and so my second shot's coming up. We'll see what happens with it. I will happily take being sick even for a couple of days. I think uh, to, to 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 not to not get COVID. So. That's kind of the, the the Pfizer study, as it were. You know, again, you know, I think it surprised lots and lots of people um, um, how efficacious this mRNA vaccine was. I, I don't think anybody, uh, including the probably the the the, the investigators of the study of either of these studies, really did think that they were going to get anywhere near ninety percent efficacy. So I think that's that 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 that's pretty impressive. So so that's the Pfizer vaccine, and then we can talk a little bit about the Moderna vaccine. Uh, the beauty of 
the Moderna vaccine is that it 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 has a um, somewhat easier uh, shipping and storage requirements, which is kind of nice, um, and um, so that makes it I think a little bit easier for for cold chain distribution and and storage. <laughs> And uh, and be getting it out to to again community pharmacies and, and other health departments. In the Moderna study, uh, as I mentioned before, they had slightly older patients, age 18 and older. Um, uh, they did try to shoot for a more diverse population in, in the Moderna study. So at least 20% of the patients identified as Latino um, and 10% uh, identified as Black. Um, they uh, uh, did define COVID as uh, 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 basically symptoms associated with COVID, and they only tested uh, COVID in symptomatic patients. So uh, just like the Pfizer study, we don't have a lot of data with with uh, with um, um, uh, asymptomatic patients, but a key difference in, in the two papers is is that you only got tested in in the study if you were symptomatic, basically. Whereas that was not a requirement in, in the Pfizer study. Um, um, again, it was a two dose uh, um, uh, 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 treatment regimen, so 0.5 mils, 28 days apart. Um, maybe it was just me when I got my Moderna. That 0.5 mils seemed like it was a whole lot of, of fluid being drawn up in the in the uh, in the syringe, but maybe I was just uh, having having a bit of a panic attack before it came. I don't know, but uh, I, I thought that was kind of interesting. Uh, interestingly, um, uh, 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 they, they only powered the study for, for 60% efficacy, so I thought that was kind of interesting. Um, most patients did receive the second dose, and and there's been, I think, I think some concern because of the slow rollout that maybe just one dose is enough. Almost everything I've read on, on major uh, websites and the CDC and so like says, you know, we probably shouldn't be messing around with stuff. I mean, there's enough un un imponderables as we're going along here. So, you know, if you got your first shot, get the second shot, unless you had some massive allergic reaction or something along those lines. I really think, I really think that, 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 that there's, that you've just really got to do that. Um, so, uh, that's, you know, kind of, kind of the background of, of that study. Uh, as far as the results, they were uh, remarkably similar, um, to the, uh, the, 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 the uh, Pfizer study, uh, they found a relative risk reduction uh, of about 94.1%. So again, very, very close to the Pfizer vaccine. And again, the, this medium follow-up was two months. So it was the exact same as the Pfizer vaccine. And, and, and so I have to kind of, kind of, you know, say, will this continue to happen? But again, they're both mRNA vaccines, so there's no real reason to assume they wouldn't. Um, just like the Pfizer vaccine, even more importantly, in my opinion, it was it was uh, associated with a significantly lower risk of hospitalization. Um, in fact, a, an 89% decreased risk of hospitalization and and a a 86% decreased risk of of death associated with with COVID. So again. Uh, um, um, very, very robust data, I think, is, you know, showing that, that the efficacy even beyond just getting COVID, you were just much less likely to get super duper sick from COVID, basically. Um, uh, they did look at at uh, COVID uh, uh, nasal pharyngeal swabs the on the day of the second vaccine dose, because I think they wanted to kind of take a look at just, you know, uh, a, a snapshot of how, how the first dose would work. Um, and they uh, did find a, a significant difference in, in positivity, but, but um, again, the numbers were were small, and and I would certainly not hang my hat on that. As far as well, you only need one dose of the stuff. No, I, you you really need to complete the, the treatment course. Uh, in terms of harms, um, again, just like the the, the study, uh, uh, they they uh, did find that patients uh, in the vaccine had had more reactions. But again, when they spread it across, it didn't actually reach statistically statistical significance. Uh, confidence intervals were 0.77 to 1.20. Uh, but just like the the uh, Pfizer study, uh, they found that in 
when serious uh, reactions were considered with the grade three or above, it was more statistically significantly likely to, to, to be in the vaccine arms. Um, and about uh, in this study, uh, slightly more patients, about 22% of vaccine recipients uh, reported uh, any grade three local or systemic reactions compared to one or twos. And again, the, uh, they were not, you know, very, very rare cases, life-threatening. They were mostly, again, just fever, myalgias, chills, muscle aches, you know, tiredness, things along those lines, and went away fa fairly quickly with along with, with those things. So, you know, both ACIP uh, recommends uh, the uh, both vaccines in, in appropriate patients. And so, you know, I think, you know, the, the studies, you know, are a good snapshot of kind of where we're at with, with, with the vaccines. But now, of course, the $64 question is how do we get them in? into arms of people. And, and again, people listening to my voice know that community pharmacists are just going to play a big role. And so I'm going to shut up for a second and, and, and say, Jake, you know, you, you know, you're, you're in the, in the thick of this, you know, what, what have you, what have you seen community pharmacies? What have you, what has your community pharmacy done? Uh, have you started vaccinations? Are you ready to go with vac vaccinations? You know, and you know, what have you seen if you have vac vaccinated people, what, 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 what kind of questions or what issues have you seen? Thanks, Jeff. And I'm, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna use one word, and I think it's a it's a harbinger for everything. It's chaos, <laughs> and it, it really right. Yes, it, it is and chaos. It, it, it's chaos. There's there's not a, a better way to to kind of explain it, and it's it's just kind of unfortunate. And so every single state is different because when you do a deep dive into to CDC recommendations, so like to be a provider to to offer. Uh, COVID vaccines, you have to sign an agreement with the CDC. You can only get that agreement through your local jurisdiction. And in that agreement, you, you like validate that you're going to do a whole heck of a lot of things, um, which is cool. Like that's good. That makes sense. But I'm, I'm all for that. But what really sticks out to me is that you have to go to your local jurisdiction and every jurisdiction is different. And then when you go to the CDC and you're like, okay, so like, what do I need to do to do this? It's like, oh, check with your local jurisdiction, do what your jurisdiction says to the point where I'm tired of hearing and reading the word jurisdiction. And I want to make sure that everybody's tired of hearing that word since I keep saying it. Um, <laughs> and that, that's like the negative side, right? Let's, let's, right. let's get that out there. Like it's there. I think what's amazing is that we're starting to see some really awesome success stories for pharmacies that are able to do this. Um, we've started to do the paperwork at our store, and it is kind of interesting because, you know, our PIC, my pharmacist in charge that I work with, Zach, he did all the paperwork with our wholesaler to get the vaccine, to get enrolled with it. And then our local jurisdiction down here in Alabama said, oh, you need to do our paperwork. And so I, I make the joke about the jurisdiction thing, but really that's that's key. You have to work with the local healthcare providers, with the public health department, uh, with your jurisdiction to, to get the correct paperwork, to get enrolled, to get access to it. And then the success stories are because we are accessible, we're open. Like where I got my vaccine at, uh, they do 10 day. That's oh, not enough to immunize no. people. No way. Yet you can go to local local community pharmacies and they're doing 500 to 1,000 a day and they're doing it by an appointment-based system. And I think that that's the key. If we want this to work, we really have to do appointments, if anything, because what's going to be difficult from the community side is that we have to attest that individuals meet the ACIP and local recommendations for who to immunize. And that, that's going to be the sticky part. Um, and that's something that we've been working on both at our store and when I talk to other stores and other pharmacists is because, you know, think about it. 
I'm going to be in my local pharmacy. I'm going to be drawing up vaccine. I'm going to be immunizing people. And I'm going to have to tell someone, no, I cannot immunize you because you're not meeting the definition right now. Yeah, I, I have in my mind's eye, I, I, and I'll bet you people who are listening to this have already dealt with this. You've probably already dealt with this with, you know, very concerned patients, very, you know, the anxious, uh, very frustrated patients, you know, they are at high risk. They have a family member at high risk uh, and they come to you and say, Hey, I hear the vaccines out. Uh, can I get my vaccine? And you're like, uh, yeah, right. the, the, the good news is we have the vaccine. The bad news is you don't meet the criteria for it. And, you know, yeah, I mean, you know, already pharmacists, community pharmacists, get uh, a very disproportionate share of, of abuse in my opinion and and you know a lot of times from patients and 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 other people and I and I in my mind's eye I see some confrontations coming on here and 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 you're right there's going to have to be you know the only way to, to get that is, is is to have an appointment situation where all that's taken care of beforehand because you don't want a line of people outside of X pharmacy waiting you know waiting only to get to the top of it and say yeah I've been waiting two hours for my vaccine it's like yeah sorry bud you're 25 years old with no you know, risk factors, you don't get the vaccine yet. Yeah, that could be very painful. So, and, and it's interesting that even happened in our household. So as some people might know, uh, my mom has Alzheimer's and lives with us. And so dad's here too, but I was talking about mom. And when I got my vaccine, I, I showed up, said, got my vaccine. And dad said, okay, when can I get mine? I'm like, oh yeah, you're not on the list yet. Cause I'm, I'm a practicing healthcare provider with COVID patients. Like I was able to get it. And so then I feel bad just in my own household. Right. And so I can only imagine how we're going to have to kind of message that and encourage that. And it's also interesting cause it's, it's state different. So we're right next to Georgia and Georgia is currently immunizing anyone 65 and older, but Alabama is only 75 and older. Right. And then it also starts to go different within counties. So you could essentially drive to a different County and then suddenly be able to get, to get immunized. All right. Um, and I, I realized, Jeff, that I'm sounding like a bit of a Debbie Downer, and I don't mean to sound like a Debbie Downer, because this really is a great opportunity for pharmacists, and we have seen pharmacists really excel. Heck, even in the, the Moderna trial, it said that the doses were prepared and administered by pharmacists. Yep, yep, absolutely. So this is a great opportunity. Um, but I think some of, the, some of the pearls that we can think about to have a successful clinic for COVID, make sure you're working with your local jurisdiction to fill out the appropriate forms. Make sure you have a system in place to do appointments. Make sure that you have a billing infrastructure. We're hearing reports that when you bill for these things, it's not just the pharmacy NPI, but the pharmacist has to have an NPI. Hmm. Interesting. Huh, which I is, did not know which that. is a little different. It is. Right? Yeah. And then hmm. we're, we're also... We're, we're seeing that you have to work with your, your pharmacy management system because when you look at the, the whole how this, how this kind of pans out, the vaccine is covered by the government. No payer and no pharmacy system wants to adjudicate a medication for zero dollars. Right. So you right. might have to like put it in for a penny and manage that. And the other thing to think about from a billing capabilities standpoint is many pharmacies do off-site clinics. And I think that's amazing. And I think that's a great way to help. Like, let's go to our partners in dentistry and set up a COVID clinic at their practice to help all of those practitioners that are often another silo of healthcare. And so then the question comes up, you do a COVID clinic. Well, what about billing? Well, right. according to that, that CDC agreement that you signed, you're going to give the vaccine to everybody, regardless of payment. If you're able to bill a plan or program 
that can cover administration, you may bill that to get some administration fee, but you are not allowed to send a bill to any patient or vaccine recipient for administration. Mm, wow. Yeah. I mean, and, you know, I, you know, I, there, there had been, you know, certainly with the, with the various government programs, I, you know, I think everyone, you know, figured that the, that, that the average person was going to, you know, get, no one's going to pay for the vaccine, but of course no one talks about, you know, the syringe and the time of the pharmacist and the storage stuff and the, you know, and, and, and all that other stuff. And I mean, yeah, I mean, no one's getting paid for that. And, and, and that's, that is an important piece. So yeah, I, you know, that, that's a whole nother issue. And, and I'm sure again, I'm, I think many, community pharmacists are dealing with that. So the other thing we wanted to touch on very quickly before we, before we uh, 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 sign off is, is talking a little bit about some of the questions that I suspect many of you have been getting asked um, about the vaccines. And of course, the standard answer is going to be, if it isn't in the study, we don't know. And that's, and that's absolutely, you know, a, a, a not unreasonable thing to say, but the problem is, is that you have patients who need to make a decision today or this week about it. And so, for example, uh, pregnancy in, in, uh, in COVID vaccine, I've been asked at least 10 times, I think in the last uh, month by uh, various uh, colleagues of mine in the hospital, as well as as physicians who have pregnant patients are like, well, should they get the COVID vaccine? And of course, as you might imagine, the we have zero data with 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 the, with the COVID vaccine, uh, either COVID vaccine in, in pregnant and pregnant patients. So CDC and, and, and FDA kind of punt and say, well, you know, you, you, it's you know, it's a it's an individual conversation that the patient has to have with their healthcare provider. Well, you know, as Jake just pointed out, that healthcare provider very well may be the farm and so, um, um, uh, you know, uh, what are we going to, uh, you know, tell patients? And, and I think what you can say and, and, and what I've been telling patients is you're right. We don't have data. We don't know. Uh, you know, uh, the, the, the safety or efficacy of, of COVID of either vaccine in pregnant patients. But we know a couple of things. One, on the whole, vaccines have, have been shown to be remarkably safe in pregnant patients. I mean, you think about, you know, you know, do we tell pregnant women to get the flu vaccine? Well, absolutely we do. You know, I mean, we, you know, getting, you know, being pregnant is not a contraindication to get the flu vaccine. You know, admittedly, this is a new technology. But again, I hear so many anti-vaxxer arguments about, well, this is MRA. We don't know what's going to happen 20 years from now. You know, keep in mind that that that, yeah, while the while the, the 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 technology to produce the vaccine is is new and it is a new way of approaching this, we've used mRNA technology for drugs for over twenty years, and so you know I, you know again there's 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 no reason to believe that the, that the that this vaccine would be any less safe or efficacious in in in, in pregnancy or lactation than than in non-pregnant patients. And I will tell you that that, that the balance of the evidence does suggest if you're pregnant and get COVID, uh, you're at higher risk for complications. And I have seen a couple of patients, you know, relatively healthy patients with COVID who are pregnant, who are in my ICU and uh, they, you know, weren't doing too good. And so, you know, um, I, again, I think, you know, it's a risk benefit everybody has to make, but, but I, you know, I have, have been counseling patients that I think the benefit probably outweighs the risk based on the information that we have today. Any, what do you think, Jake, that seemed reasonable? I mean, that sounds incredibly reasonable. In fact, the, uh, American college of, um, obstetrics and gynecology, I think, has even come out and encouraged uh, vaccination. And so, you know, it's it's not just they didn't do it in the study. Like, it is there, and that is important. But when you look at ACIP recommendations, when you look at these national associations, they are kind of recommending it because, you know, vaccines are the best way to prevent it. And, and as of yesterday, we hit 4,700 deaths. We got to right. do something. 
Yeah, no, and that's the other piece is that you know, yeah, deaths are accelerating uh, around around the country with this. That's the other piece that we got to keep in mind. So the other question I've been getting asked a lot is, you know, various and sundry immunosuppressed patients, right? So I have a patient who's taking medications for organ rejection. I have a patient. I had a patient I had a question yesterday about a patient who had a splenectomy. You know, should they get the vaccine? Uh, and again, I, you know, the, I think the question is less about 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 uh, safety and efficacy. The, these are not live vaccines, so there there should be no chance of of the of a patient who's immunosuppressed who gets the vaccine who would get COVID. That that's not going to happen because that's not how these vaccines work. They're not live vaccines. There's no actual COVID virus in the vaccine whatsoever, and so that shouldn't be a problem. So the question is less safety and more efficacy. How efficacious is it going to be when you give a patient who's on you know tacrolimus for a for a renal transplant or doesn't have a spleen or something along the lines? And the answer is we just we don't know. But that in my opinion, uh, again, you know, we should at least try to see if 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 the vaccine will at least give partial protection in these patients because again, you know, uh, patients who are immunosuppressed are much more likely to develop severe COVID and get sick from it. And again, I've had several I got several patients. I have one patient in 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 my hospital right now and my and on my service who has had a renal transplant who's very very sick from COVID. And so you know, again, it isn't a question of safety. It's more of a question of efficacy. We don't know, but you could argue even if it gives partial efficacy, it's definitely uh, in my opinion worth 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 it to get the vaccine. So, well, I think that's where we're kind of running against the wall here. So uh, we'll be right back to wrap things up after a word from CE Impact. Game Changers discusses clinical guidelines and pharmacotherapy trends that significantly impact practice. Game Changers is produced and accredited by CE Impact and hosted by Dr. Jeff Wall. New episodes are released each week and available for pharmacy continuing education credit to CE Impact subscribers. CE Impact subscription service brings you the CE you need on the topics that matter the most. Check out the link to sign up in the show notes. Use code PODCAST for a Pharmacy Podcast Network discount. So, you know, again, you know, this is a, this is a work in progress. We're going to get more information about COVID vaccines. Um, um, as Jake has pointed out very lucidly, uh, there's going to be all sorts of, 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 of issues with the bureaucracy, issues with billing, issues with administration. And of course, you know, uh, it is the, is the community pharmacist, as I said before, that a lot of this is going to land squarely on their back. And, and, and um, uh, this, this is, you know, something that obviously we all need to step up and do because, because of the pandemic. Um, but we're going to have to, you know, listen to each other. We're going to have to keep our ear to the ground about what worked in this situation, what worked in that situation. Um, you know, uh, this didn't work, so don't try, you know, this way to approach a COVID uh, clinic or something along those lines. Uh, you know, billing. Hey, you know, I, I found that this way to bill seems to work pretty good. But, but you know, I think there's going to be a lot of these logistic issues that are yet to come. Um, but it's going to be pharmacy, I think, and pharmacists that are really the ones who are going to kind of navigate through this. So, want to thank. Uh, uh, as always, uh, my colleague Jay Galdo for his uh, 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 great uh, uh, um, input into this. Um, as always, again, you know, uh, thank you again for listening. Uh, please like and and spread the word about us. Please head over to CE Impact. Um, also, I, I'll give a, a second plug since last week my uh, uh, um, uh, EP came out a couple weeks ago. It's it's electronic music under the name Prophet of Jupiter. I'm on all the uh, uh, big platforms like uh, Spotify. So head on over and give a listen. See if you like it. If you don't, yeah. Yeah, you only lost a couple seconds. So uh, we're going to, I think, steer away from COVID for a while for the next couple of talks. Uh, we've already been talking about some some other uh, great guidelines and stuff coming up. So keep listening. Thank you for listening. And we will catch you next time. Keep in mind, uh, um, time flies. I don't know where it's going, but the most important day is today. <laughs>